But I'm going to tell you this, we ain't done yet. Howdy and welcome back to the Ineligibles podcast. My name is Will Stone and no Chase Caldwell this week, but I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, former AM uh, defensive lineman, uh, works for or d- does some work for Good Bull Hunting and Dave Campbell's, uh, Mr. Jay Arnold. Jay, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's talking season, right? So uh, the, the more talking oh, yeah. I do, the more I feel like I'm uh, reliving the glory days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a little different from back in the day, you know. Uh, I guess, uh, I guess, talking season is is all we can do now. We can't get out there on the field. Um, I never could. You could, you know, back in the day. But um, yeah, that's uh, uh, it, it. Was kind of a last minute deal. Um, we had Robert that was going to be on today. Uh, Chase is is in Europe right now, uh, probably uh, gallivanting around Amsterdam as we speak. Um, but uh, Jay was kind enough to to step in last minute and. Uh, be the first guy off the bench. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like the last second, you know, late notice UFC replacement. I, I made weight. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm getting the money. You know, maybe I had to get a little bit of a catch weight in, but uh, I made yeah. it, and that, that's what counts. Yeah. Well, uh, I feel like there's there's a lot of things that you've been involved in. Uh, so I guess just to start out, like uh, I guess give the folks at home a little bit of uh, a <laughs> background and all like all the stuff that you've been uh, uh, you've been a part of here lately. Yeah, uh, staying staying busy or trying to at least. I think that's better than the alternative. Uh, the the new bill paying job of Pocket Talk Fest, where we're putting on uh, the Sports World's Fair in Houston in 2024. That's my my full time gig now. So going to be doing a lot of sports content with them, including driving from Houston, Texas to Richmond, Virginia, uh, next weekend for the NASCAR race. Doing that's a little fun. bit of content out there. Yeah, that's going to be <laughs> a heck of a drive. Uh, yeah. Obviously, like you mentioned the Dave Campbell's. Uh, I have my podcast with with Mike Craven uh, at Dave Campbell's. It's uh, Aggie Warpod, part of the Republic of Football Network. Yeah. Uh, and then I also have my uh, greater college football podcast, which is by greater, I mean focusing on the entire world of college football right. as opposed to A&M. <laughs> uh, with my buddy Jake, uh, the Get Back Coach, uh, presented by Apollo Media. So that's all. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. Yeah. But, uh, trying to stay busy and, and put it in the work as much as I can. So it's, yeah. it's a lot to keep up with. I can't even keep track of, of it half the time, but uh, I appreciate all the support that everybody out there in the internet gives me and, you know, yeah. uh, gives me opportunities to, to join shows like the Ineligibles and, and, and talk, <laughs> That's uh, right. talk some more Aggie football. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, well, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll start out a little bit. Um, with us, some SEC Media Days talk, uh, I think AM went on on Monday, which was the first day of the of Media Days, and I'm not sure they've ever gone on the first day. I feel like they're always either the last day or second to last, and uh, it was kind of nice to just get our stuff out of the way, um, and then uh, just be able to to sit back and watch the rest of the week. But uh, um, I saw I haven't seen too much from the other coaches. I saw Kiffin today was kind of uh, doing some some complaining about. Um, NIL and the rich programs, you know, are at an advantage now uh, as if they weren't before. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's his prerogative. Um, but as far as A&M goes, I feel like it was, you know, it, it wasn't, 
it, it wasn't bad. You know, it was kind of the same old stuff about about Jimbo and Petrino, uh, which was, you know, it's it's kind of uh, I don't know if, if if annoying is the right word, but um, I think you know it is talking season. But you know, I, I think we're all kind of ready for for that to be over with and for the you know for the for the games to be start like start getting played. Um, and we don't have to hear about, you know, is this happening or is that happening? And we can just see for ourselves, you know, who's calling the plays. But um, it, it sounds like, you know, even if he doesn't come out and say word for word, Petrino is calling our plays. I think you're going to see Petrino be the, the the play caller on Saturdays. Yeah, I, I feel pretty confident. And uh, you don't bring in a guy like Petrino and not have him call plays. Uh, obviously, I mean, we'll see. There should be some changes in, in some of the stuff. I think we'll see a little bit more uh, pre-snap motion, yeah. uh, you know, mixing in some sets and 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 shifting, uh, just to just to add a little bit more eye ca- candy than than maybe we're used to with Jimbo's offenses. But uh, it'll be fun. Uh, again, talking season, uh, SEC media days is just it's it's a whole lot of nothing. I think it's a whole lot of coach speak for the most part. Right. Uh, and and I mean Jimbo's been saying the same thing. He's saying. You know, not not coming out right and saying that that Bobby Petrino is calling the plays, and I mean, I guess it gives some people something to talk about. But uh, <laughs> it, it's been just kind of the the theme this season. And yeah, uh, I'm like you. I'm ready for uh, I'm ready for fall camp to come around and then get out on the field so we can actually get some games in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as, as as Jimbo goes, you know, he had the like the 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 uh, traditional kind of speech at media days, and then he was with Feinbaum right after, and that was a little bit more clarifying you know, on, uh, on kind of that relationship and what, and how him and Petrino have worked together, um, spoke very glowingly of Petrino, uh, says he's been, you know, uh, a fantastic addition to the staff and, uh, they're really excited about the, the team they got this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that, um, Anias was, was talking and he was saying that, um, when Petrino got hired and Jimbo introduced him, he was like, hey, here's your new coordinator, Bob Petrino. And then Jimbo just left the room and let him kind of take over <laughs> and go from there. So um, it's it's TBD. I know everyone, you know, I listen to a lot of national shows and, you know, they're all about, well, if they can get along, then this may work out. But um, I feel like they they will. Um, but, uh, you know, still, still, it's still TBD. And, and you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, speaking of fall camp and, uh, and the A&M football team, uh, we we always do on the ineligibles. We'll do a positional preview uh, kind of series every summer as we lead up to fall camp. Um, we, we've in the past we've kind of gone you know quarterbacks and then skill guys and you know kind of on down from there. But uh, we've got Jerry Arnold on, so we kind of got to start with 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 the, with the trenches. I mean that's also you know it's a trenches league and it's the most important you know positions on the field. So um, you just did a piece on good bull hunting previewing the, the the defensive line a little bit. Um, I guess, like, what's your take on, on on what is a very talented bunch, but didn't you know quite perform uh, up to the standards last year? Yeah, and and here's the thing about last year. Uh, I think a lot of people were so excited about the talent that was brought in that they were ignoring the fact that AM was losing all of their starters. Right. Right. It, it's anytime you're in a conference like the SEC, cohesiveness and continuity are are very important. And AM didn't have that last year. They're, the talent was evident. And, you know, obviously you look at the results, uh, giving up over 200 yards a game, only having, I think, 19 sacks as a team on the year. Uh, that's, I think, the inexperience showing. But when, when I go back and watch the tape, AM's not getting blown off the ball up front. 
So there, there are things that you can fix, right? If, if your team's just getting blown off the ball, that's not fixable. Uh, I think with the amount of talent that AM has, and now they're coupled that with experience, uh, they seem to get better as the season went on. I think we're going to see a very, very good unit up front uh, with the mix of talent and depth. Yeah, I know, I know last year um, when we did this, we did this position preview, uh, of course, we were, we were super excited. And, you know, like all the, the young guys that came in, um, like all the, the five stars from that, that, uh, that number one class. But when we, we talked about it, we, we didn't expect any of those guys to start uh, or really even play a ton. You know, you had uh, McKinley Jackson, you had um, uh, Albert Regis, Isaiah Rakes, you know, kind of there in the middle, uh, Shamar Turner as well. Um, and then Fadil Diggs and uh, Tamisha Adelier had kind of, you know, cemented themselves as, as starters at end. And you're like, well, you know, those guys are going to get the, the bulk of the reps with these young guys kind of, you know, uh, I guess rotating in uh, as, 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 as they're needed. But that wasn't really the case at all. Uh, McKinley missed the first, uh, I think, five games of the season. Um, was fantastic when he came back, but, you know, he missed those first five. Um, Fadil Diggs missed the last maybe three or four games. Uh, I think Tamisha played in maybe one or two games at the beginning and then not again for the rest of the year. Uh, and you had to count on these young guys, Walter Nolan, uh, Shamar Stewart, LT Overton, uh, LT Overton was 17 years old and had to you know, play 300 plus snaps in the sec last year. <laughs> and that's, that's a, Crazy. that's a tough, that's a tough deal, but no, I, I, I think, you know, we, we should have been, uh, maybe a little more tempered last year because that 2021 group was just so good. Yeah. I mean, DeMar so good Leal, and so experienced. Yeah. I mean, I think PV came back for a, a, a bonus year. I know Clemens did, um, and yeah, they're, they're a bunch of grown men, and they put together a great unit. But um, you know, most of those guys are in the NFL now, and uh, it was just a little bit younger last year. Yeah, and it's again, it, it's just tough whenever you don't have the one-on-one game experience, right? the 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 top of the the top of the defensive line versus the top of the offensive line. It's it's just a it's a different feel out there, and those guys had to get used to it. But by the same time, by the same token, they were they were thrown right into the fire, and you know you're going to sink or swim at that point. And uh, I think that the value of all the experience these guys got is just going to make them so much better. Uh, and now you get guys like Fadil Diggs back, like McKinley Jackson back, healthy, uh, and and you mix in guys like Nolan with more experience, uh, Shamar Stewart like you mentioned, Shamar Turner's also. Uh, got a little more experience than he had last year. Uh, LT Overton. I mean, it, it's, there's so many names. And I mean, we didn't even talk about like Malik Silla is, is one of the guys that I'm really high on as a prospect, just because of the uh, length and agility that he brings to the uh, defensive end position. I think he's going to be a real problem for, for opposing offensive lines, rushing the passer. Uh, if he puts it all together this year, I mean, it, it's, and then we get into like the new, uh, one one of the top rated recruits from from the last class in, in, in DJ Hicks, right? So you, you think about just the sheer amount of talent that that A and M has on the defensive line, and the fact that they have experience now, and it's hard not to envision this group taking a massive step forward. Yeah. So, and as someone who who played and, and played here and played this kind of, like, like this position, uh, is it is it reasonable that the biggest leap that uh, a player will make is from their freshman year to their their, their sophomore year? I think that's usually accurate. Uh, you get another full season under your belt and in the weight room too. 
so your, your body's going to mature some. And that's not to say that some guys may not take leaps later in their careers, but I mean, the freshman to sophomore year is a big gap. I mean, you're, you're adjusting to the speed of the game. You're adjusting to the schedule. You're adjusting to so many things when you first come into a, a college football program. Uh, as a freshman, a lot of times you're just trying not to, to get swept away uh, by all of the different factors that, that are uh, coming into your life now that you didn't have when you were a high school football player. Right. Uh, so now they have a year under their belt and they kind of know what it's about. They've gone through a season. You expect to take a leap because of that life experience, but also because of the time that you've had to improve uh, both in the weight room and in the film room. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I feel like I'd have to go back and look, but I don't know if any of those of those young, those freshman defensive linemen were in here for the spring last year. There may have been one or two. I think I think a couple of them were. But yeah. uh, again, spring is one thing. Going through the actual rigors of a of an SEC season is is a whole other animal. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and and you, you talked at the beginning about uh, the the production and you know, like some of those 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 numbers, like those like the the run defense and the sacks. Uh, it wasn't quite up to you know uh, the the level that we expected. Um, but I went back and I watched the the LSU game for like the hundredth time the other day. <laughs> and uh, you see those young guys really making plays. Yeah. Um, I mean, like uh, like a, a guy like Malik Silla, you know, he, he didn't play much last year. He got in that game and uh, he showed that explosive ability and some of that power. Um, and uh, like Walter Nolan was, was, was flashing and making plays. Um, and I think, like, I'm not sure if anybody, I mean, like outside of the transfers, the guys that played the most are all back. Um, yeah. And, and they're, they're headlined by a guy that, you know, I think is probably the best player on the team, uh, at, le- at least for this season, and, and that's McKinley Jackson. Um, I, I guess I guess talk, like talk a little bit about what you see in, in McKinley Jackson's game. Well, first of all, McKinley Jackson is is a vital leader in that locker room with the with the experience that he has. Uh, he's kind of the transitional piece from that in, incredible group with Demarvin Leal and, and Jaden Peavy and Michael Clemens to this new group and, and the youth and. So it's a lot of pressure on him to kind of lead by example. But you look at the strength that he possesses up front. I mean, he is just a tough guy to move. Uh, You know, it's in the run game especially, he made an instant impact whenever he got back on the field. Uh, And, and, you know, he's able to to rush the passer as well. But uh, his his strength is always going to be the run game just because of how strong he is. He's able to eat up double teams. I mean, you look at a guy like that, and and it's it's something that you have to prepare for as as an offense uh, when someone is is that good at what they do, right? Like, uh, yeah. And if you know he's able to eat up double teams in the run game, that's going to free up guys like Walter Nolan to make plays. That's going right. to free up your defensive ends, uh, and mo- most importantly, it's going to give the linebackers a chance to read and react. I think that was part of the problem that A and M had last year is at the linebacker position, it's, it's hard to read and react when, you know, you have inexperienced guys who, who may not be fitting correctly. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's one thing that I think was an issue as opposed to getting blown off the ball. Like some of the young cats are still learning the defensive playbook and, and it may not be fitting correctly. And it's hard for yeah. linebackers to scrape over the top when they, they're not sure. And they're kind of guessing where their defensive lineman is going to be. So I think that is is a good a good point right there. I think that's a good reason to expect some improvement. You know, on top of the just the physical improvements is 
uh, you know, guys being in the wrong gaps and, uh, and not knowing, you know, like being, like being so new and not really knowing, you know, like, like the gap they're supposed to be in and things like that. Yeah. And it was a new defense coordinator last year too. So there's going to be some yeah. differences in scheme and terminology uh, that, that the guys had to adjust to. And I don't know the intricacies of, of either Mike Elko's playbook or DJ Durkin's playbook. So I can't speak to, to what kind of differences in learning that might've been, but that's gonna that's gonna create a little bit of a lack of continuity as well so yeah every little bit of piece uh every little piece that's kind of added to that equation uh and and not having consistency there is just another factor that can limit what what a team's able to do yeah yeah absolutely um staying on the interior uh a guy like walter nolan um so, so you played you know back in uh, as part of the 2013 sign class. So like you were still on the team when, when Miles Garrett came along, um, obviously Walter, different type of player, different body type as, as Miles Garrett, but, uh, was a number two rated player in his class and just super freaky ability. Um, it feels like this is like, this is going to be a breakout year for him. Yeah. Uh, up front in the defensive line in the SEC, it's it's hard to make an impact your freshman year. I think Walter Nolan still did. Uh, you know, it, it took him a little while to adjust, but especially towards the end of the season, he was making plays. Uh, the sophomore year is where you see the big leap. And, you know, obviously you compared him to Miles Garrett and that they're just freak athletes. And when those types of guys walk on the field, you know they're going to be special. Uh, Walter Nolan feels like that kind of player. Miles Garrett was immediately that kind of player. Uh, and – you know, obviously very different positions, Walter Nolan on the inside and, and Miles was on the outside. But uh, when you have that kind of a, a special athlete, it's the same thing I'm talking about with McKinley Jackson with, with the strength to eat up double teams. A guy like Nolan, if, if he lives up to his potential, is going to attract so much attention from, from opposing offenses. They're going to have to account for whatever he is on the field. Yeah. And when that happens, I mean, that's – when you see sacks occur uh, from inside, like that's a quarterback's worst nightmare. They, they don't want the interior defensive lineman to be able to rush the passer because the, the, the path to the quarterback is that much quicker, right? Uh, and again, Nolan having that athleticism, having that strength, having all of the intangibles that you would hope for, uh, he, he's going to be a, a real problem for offenses. Yeah if he puts it together this year and it, and it certainly feels like it's going to be that kind of year for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like when I watch him, the, the, the phrase that I use the most is he, he's just a handful. I mean, like he's, he's, he's got the freaky talent and ability and like the raw physical gifts, but I feel like he's got that motor too, where he's just constantly you know moving his feet, moving his hands and trying and trying to get by you. And with, with a guy like him playing next to a guy like McKinley, that, that's a pretty fearsome duo right there in the sec. Yeah, I, I look at those two together, and I just – it's one of the best, if not the best, interior defensive line duos in the country. Uh, you know, and if both those guys stay healthy, I think uh, – especially with Nolan, I think just the uh, the fact that he's still young and, and is only likely to get better as, yeah. as the season goes along. You talked about all the, the physical tools, but, I mean, technically speaking, too. Uh, as he improves technically up front, that's just going to be another factor in, in how he can affect the game. Uh, and, I mean, it's, it's hard for me as a defensive lineman to not get excited right. about uh, <laughs> the abilities that, that a guy like Walter Nolan has. I mean, it's 
Yeah. He's one of those guys when I turn on the film that I just, I get to sit back and enjoy it. And I, I just, I have a lot of fun watching him uh, yeah. go to work. No. And, and, and he was one of my, like, like his high school tape was some of my favorite. Cause he like, like back then he was like three twenty, and just like bowling over, you know, uh, these high school alignment and, and dominated every camp that he went to. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, now it's... the roster has him listed at like 285. And yeah, so now there's going to be an added element of quickness to his game. Right. And that's kind of frightening to think about if you're an offensive lineman. Yeah. So you've got two great guys on, on the front line there uh, and quite a bit of depth. Uh, so you, you got some bigger body types, uh, Albert Regis, Isaiah Rakes, you know, both in the, in the, in the uh, 320 range, I believe. Uh, maybe even a little bit bigger, but um, a, a guy like I've always been impressed with with Albert Regis. You know, I think he played like fullback and tight end in high school, <laughs> and then he just kept on growing and, and kept that athleticism. Uh, big big guy, but can really move. But I, I guess talk about some of these other, these other interior guys. You know, Rakes Regis, uh, or even um, or, 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 you know, a freshman that we didn't see last year in uh, in Brownlow Dendy. Yeah, and and Brownlow Dendy was banged up for a lot of the year and. He's a guy that I was also really high on uh, coming out of high school, and I think he's got a lot of potential. But uh, it's going to be hard to, to, to get on the field, right, with just so many weapons. I mean, ideally A&M rotates it enough, keeps legs fresh out there. But I've, at the same time, you don't want to take the guys like Jackson or, or Nolan off too much. Uh, and, and stick it on the interior. I mean, you talk about Regis, I, again, uh, keeping that athleticism uh, while being a guy at like 320 pounds makes you really, really tough to move in, in, in the run game. And, you know, if you're quick enough, you can also affect the passer. I just, man, I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but the sheer amount of depth and talent that A&M has coupled with the fact that all those guys are experienced now, it's the sky's the limit for the unit. And, uh, yeah, you know, I'm still trying to dose myself with a healthy bit of skepticism given the results from last season. Uh, and you know, depth at linebacker could still be a problem in the run game. Make no mistake about that. But when it comes to this defensive line, I mean, you, you gotta expect, uh, quite a big leap forward from, from the unit, especially with, uh, McKinley Jackson back and, and having that senior leadership leadership uh, along the front right and i i, I read your uh, your preview before this and uh you know at the, at the end like you you gave it a grade of a, of a b plus which sounds crazy like we're sitting here talking like we're so high on it uh but it's a b plus but i tend to agree you know uh we're we're still kind of uh scorned from last season where we can't like we're just we're just not ready to, to jump all the way back in yet right yeah, and like I said, uh, in the piece on Good Bull Hunting, I, I gave the defensive line a B plus, but I said that I'm expecting this group to improve to the point right. where they, they finish at an A at the end of the season, well yeah. within the A range. And I mean, another key to that is, and we've been focusing on the interior, but the the pass rush has to get better too. Uh, 19 sacks as a team. Uh, obviously, you're, with Durkin, you're going to get some exotics. You're going to get some blitz packages mixed in, uh, but as a defensive lineman, you, you want to see the the guys up front get those sacks. And, yeah. you know, I think Fidel Diggs flashed that ability a lot, but was banged up. Uh, again, I'm, I'm really high on Silla and what he can do, uh, especially with his length at the position. Uh, LT Overton, again, he was a 17-year-old last year. Yeah. You know, he's a really young cat. So when you talk about the, the physical aspects of the game, he probably still has quite a bit of growing to do. 
yeah. right? And 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 you know, another year in the program, and and he's stepping up. And I mean, I think uh, I think you're going to see Shamar uh, Turner out at the uh, the strong side defensive end position, or again, I'm not sure exactly what the terminology that that Derek is going to use, but he's going to sure. be out on the edge as well. And he may not be as as much of a a pure pass rusher. He may be more of a set the edge against the run type of guy. But then yeah. you can bring in these packages or or you can, uh, you know, get your best pass rushers on the field in certain situations by by stopping the run. So all these guys are going to play vital roles. But, uh, again, it's it's waiting to see how uh, this defensive line unit maximizes their talent. Uh, yeah. and, and with the depth, they should be able to rotate pretty pretty often. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, like to go along with the pass rush, I feel like the the – like the only knock on this group, you know, at least from from from, from fans, and it's, it's it's probably warranted, is uh, is that lack of pass rush. You know, like there's we have so many resources, you know, and so many uh, great talents on the defensive line, but we haven't had, you know, uh, like like none of these guys have been a you know, Von Miller, Miles Garrett impact yet. But I think you know, a guy like Silla has that 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 type of of a pass rush to his game like he's got those skills and, and to be fair there aren't a lot of Von Millers and Miles Garrett's in the world absolutely yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 can be overstated um and then you know a guy like Overton you know he was trending towards more of a, a strong side end um and played it like you know 270 plus I've, I've heard he's down to 255 uh and trying to be more of a like more of a a speed and more of a pass. Yeah, and, and again, with a defensive end that's only 17 years old, you don't know how those bodies are going to change. Yeah. Uh, he may be, he may get a lot quicker, you know, that way he gets off and uh, he may become a, a real problem out there at end. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, that's the questions of youth, right? Yeah. Like you don't always know how these guys are going to develop, but it, it sure seems like it's trending towards, uh, a lot of a lot of ability to make havoc in the backfield for the defensive yeah, line. Absolutely, and and you know, like you, you talked about Fadil Diggs, uh, he, he's a guy I was really high on last year. Like, like from what I've heard from him as a as, as one of those, those locker room guys, one of those leaders, um, he was really hitting his stride down the stretch before he got hurt. Um, very glad to have him back. Uh, Shamar Turner's kind of bounced back and forth between inside outside. I thought he looked fantastic at end in the spring game. I know it's just a spring game, but you know, um, like maybe the back and forth wasn't you know uh, the best thing. Maybe he's been focusing just on end, uh, and maybe that was a good thing for him. And I'm not sure. Like I don't know all the all the background, but um, I think the, the signs that were there in the spring were very encouraging. Yeah, and I mean, again, you you never know exactly how uh, what kind of schemes you're going to see. You know from Dirk and a lot, there was a lot of three man fronts last year. Yeah. Uh, personally, like with the amount of talent on the defensive line, I'd like to see more four man fronts just because I think you're maximizing what is uh, the deepest position on the field uh, for the Aggies defensively. And, you know, the secondary is pretty talented as well too, but I think you, you want to have four of those guys that are, that are extremely talented up front. And uh, I mean, we'll see how it shakes out, but um, yeah. Just, uh, just really excited about this this unit's potential going into twenty twenty three. Yeah, and you know the, the thought that I keep having is if, like, like there, there's reasons that we've lined out here that like, like, like why there should be improvement, and you know it shouldn't just be like a little bit of improvement. I think like with the 
the the the the high level ability these guys possess. You know, it could it may it may not be as dominant as what you saw at Clemson those, those couple of years or at Georgia the past few years, but it shouldn't be far from that. Like it should be you know like one of those those dominant defensive lines uh, in the country. Yeah, I mean. I, I do think the potential is there to have like uh like that Clemson team that you mentioned with with Cleveland Farrell and and Dexter Lawrence and those guys that were really talented and you know Georgia with with guys like uh uh I mean slipping my mind right now Jalen Carter and and yeah. all the talent that they had up front there but Jordan Davis yeah I mean it's the, the huge huge person it's it's hard to con- <laughs> like it's hard to compare anybody to those types of guys. Yeah, uh, but but I do think the potential for AM to be truly special uh, this year and, and next year is is there. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, before we switch over to O line, the last guy I wanted to mention was uh, Shamar Stewart. There, there's so many of them; it's it's hard yeah. to to make sure we hit on them all. Uh, but he was, you know, one of those five star kids, uh, defensive end, uh, really physically gifted. Um, I saw a picture of him from the like they do the photo shoots, the team photo shoots before the season. Uh, he, he may get some time inside. <laughs> that, that is a, yeah. that is a large, large man. Um, and, and just, and uh, he's just another piece to this, this plethora of talent. Yeah. It's, it's an embarrassment of riches up front. And <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you that I think we may see, uh, Shamar Stewart, sw- uh, shift inside a little bit. Uh, or, you know, he could be that strong side position, uh, strong side end position as well. Right. Uh, that, that kind of sets the edge and, and is more of a threat against the run in the past. But it, it's, again, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. The yeah. fact that, that we're questioning, you know, how we're going to maximize uh, the use of everybody on the field is it's a good problem to have. Yes. Yes. 100%. Um, a, a position where there may not be quite the embarrassment of riches and uh, it's kind of been maligned um, is the offensive line for A&M. Um, you know, back when I uh, first got to AM back in 2011, you know, we had uh, three first-round draft picks on that line. Uh, Pat Lewis was uh, an incredible center. Uh, Jarvis Harrison was a great guard. And and when in Johnny's Heisman year, those that offensive line was the the unsung hero of that year. Well, it's it, it's a they're acknowledged by AM fans, but I don't know if if the casual college football fan realizes how good that line was. Um, since then, the, the 2020 line was outstanding. You know, finalists for the Joe Moore Award, uh, four seniors on that O-line, and uh, four seniors in an All-American and first-round draft pick, <laughs> Kenyon Green. Uh, his loss was felt last year, but, um, you know, coming into last season, I like when we did this position last year, I was pretty high on the group. You know, I thought guys like Bryce Foster and Ruben Fothery uh, kind of uh, found their footing close to the end of their freshman years. You had Layton Robinson back. Um and then, uh, and Trey Zoon's a guy I've been high on for a long time. Uh, but then injury, the injury bug kind of hit. Um, it feels like outside of Ruben, the rest of those guys weren't very healthy. You know, having to move around and, you know, and, and bring in Wyckoff and then bring in a different guard and, uh, and, and things like that. But I, you're, you're feeling on the, on the offensive line right now. Yeah. I mean, the offensive line has to be better in 2023. Uh, again, like you said, the injury bug bit pretty hard. Uh, Bryce Foster missed a lot of time. I mean, he comes into the season and he's uh, dealing with an illness in camp that, that limits his ability to uh, play. And then, I mean, that probably leads to the injury, right? Like when, when you're sick and unable to really work out and, and de- dealing with that, uh, it's just hard. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not blaming the, the injuries on anybody in particular. I mean, th- it's it's a very physical sport and things happen. 
Uh, I think you look at like Layden Robinson back, obviously should be improvement or should be a consistency there. Uh, Ruben Fathery back, you know, uh, I think at times he reached a little bit and uh, that was a little bit of a problem for him. Just uh, something that he's going to have to address in 2023. And and look, this unit knows they have to be better. Right. Uh, And, you know, last year, obviously, again, we talked about continuity on the defensive line. Continuity on the offensive line was an issue as well. Uh, you have a new offensive line coach come in. Uh, you know, Josh Henson leaves, Steve Adazio's in, and it's an adjustment. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, it can be it can be tough. Uh, you know, I, I don't know the differences in coaching styles between those two, but that's an adjustment. And you know, the left side of the offensive line had a lot of a uh, lot of turnover. Uh, with with Zoom being hurt a little bit and some of the guys at guard being hurt, but yeah, you look at some of the uh, some of the young guys that stepped in and, and filled the gaps when when some of the guys get guys went down. Uh, Cam Dewberry, I think, is is a really really exciting guy on the interior offensive line, uh, and Mark Naboo, I thought was 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 pretty was pretty solid when he stepped in as well. So there are things yeah. to be excited about, but uh, I, I'm a little bit less high on this group and. That's not to condemn the offensive line by any means. I just think the, the defensive line with their talent and, and depth is, is a little bit more uh, more likely to take a leap forward than this offensive line is. But I do think we'll see the offensive line improve. Right. And I think I think improvement is all we really want to see. You know, I think it's uh, – as much as we can sit here and talk about play calling and talk about Connor Wigman, uh, last season I, – I, I pulled this a while back, but – uh, among Power Five teams, uh, A&M was uh, pretty much tied for dead last in in, pre- in, in pressure rate allowed, um, with teams like uh, Nebraska and Virginia and, and Boston College with like a forty-one percent pressure rate allowed. Um, it doesn't matter what offense you're running if if you're if you're letting the defensive line and and, and pass rush get to your quarterback that often. Um, so so that's you know something that definitely needs to be uh, improved upon. But I mean, I, I saw I think. Um, it was a, an article from Bill Connolly at ESPN that we had 10 different guys on the O-line start last year. And that's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, uh, is like, is like, like, especially on, on the offensive line, like defensive line, you can, you know, uh, I'm, I feel like the, the continuity may not be as big of a factor, but on the O-line, like you really need to have those same five guys uh, like in, in every game. Yeah. I think, I think offensive line is, is more rhythmic. Uh, in, in its nature and and, and how uh, that can impact the game. Uh, like you said, continuity is much more important on the offensive line. And especially like when Bryce Foster is out, I mean, your center is the quarterback yeah. of your offense, uh, your, your offensive line, I should say. And, you know, when, when you have a guy that's a cerebral aspect of, of that unit, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough to adjust. And not to knock Matthew Wyckoff coming in, but having familiarity with the guys next to you in offensive line play, I think is, is much more important than, than defensive line uh, because defense is a lot more reactive to what you see in front of you. Right. Yeah. Offensive line. And there is some reactivity there, but it's a lot more about executing what, what is in the game plan. It's a lot more about getting in sync with the guys next to you uh, than defensive line play is. And like you said, I mean, 10 different starters on the offensive line, it's it's a recipe for disaster. But if you can get five offensive line starters uh, and keep them healthy and, and, and 
establish, you know, uh, that synchronicity that's so important to offensive line play, uh, that's when you start really seeing gains on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Like, I, I think if you if you replayed last season and the only change you made was just all five offensive linemen started every game, it probably goes a little bit differently, <laughs> you know, even if they – like, so even if they don't make these vast improvements, uh, which we're hoping that they do, like, just, just the continuity and, and playing week in and week out together and not having to shuffle around, that alone should be uh, a, a reason for improvement. Yeah, and it's it's a lot easier when you just kind of focus in on your job and you're not shifting around. Yeah, uh, it can make all the difference in the world. And again, the talents there, like guys like Ruben Fathery and, and Bryce Foster and, and Layden Robinson, are all immensely talented. Uh, it may not be to the level of that like 2012 offensive line, which again, uh, that really special group that they had there. But yeah, a lot of the reason they were so successful is those guys were so used to playing with each other. So. Yeah. We'll see if uh, we'll see if AM is able to get a little bit luckier in that regard this year. For sure, and and you know in the in in the spring, you know we especially in the spring game, you know we didn't get to see Bryce. He's still coming back from that ACL. Uh, sounds like he's going to be just fine uh, coming into fall camp. Um, I think Ruben played, you know, pretty much the whole spring. Just missed the game. I, I mean, you, you see guys get held out for the spring game for for any kind of you know minor injury. Um, but there's a guy you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that I was really impressed with. That's Mark Naboo. Um, I'm not sure where, where he would play. Uh, or, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sure where he would start this year, but he's, he's really dang good. I mean, they had him playing uh, all five spots from left tackle to right tackle and everything in between. Um, yeah. And it, it's at the guard position too, a guy that we didn't touch on, but that saw some action last year and was also hurt in uh, Jordan Moko. I mean, it, it's, it's not the degree of depth that the uh, that the defensive line has, but there, there's a little more depth this year and, and experience as well. So that when guys do go down, and you know, I'd love to say that everyone's going to stay healthy, but it's it's the SEC and it's a really physical game. So you know, yeah, if if you do manage to keep your whole roster healthy, that's I mean, I don't know what kind of devil magic you're working. But, <laughs> you know, it's 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 just not likely to happen. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, at points during the season, you're going to see guys like Naboo step up and, you know, obviously with uh, Layden Robinson probably leaving. I mean, I think somebody's going to be looking to fill that gap too uh, at, at season's end. And, you know, guys like Naboo and, and, and Dewberry are, are, I think, ready now after kind of getting thrown yeah. into the fire in the same way a lot of those guys on the defensive line did. Uh, so it's, it's definitely a youth movement for, for A&M at some points, but, the thing about this offensive line that I like is they also have a healthy dose of experience with that right side of the offensive line and, and, and Bryce Foster at center. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Bryce is, is really the, the uh, key there. Like you saw, you know, we, we struggled a little bit when he was out at the beginning last year, you know, he comes back, things, you know, stabilize a little bit and then he goes out against Alabama. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think he's key, you know, and, and Layden and, and Ruben have played so much, um, I was really impressed with with Cam Dewberry um, getting you know tossed in as a as a true freshman last year. Um, he's also a guy, at, at least from what I've from what I see on on Twitter and hear from from other people, is you know uh, he's he's kind of a leader and he, you know he's part of that twenty two class. Um, like he's one of the guys that's that's still here and has his head uh, his head screwed on straight. And uh, he's a he's a he's a big a big part of the team and a, a big leader in the offensive line room. Um, 
but I think he's he's set for a pretty big year there at left guard. Um, at left tackle, I, I feel like Trey Zoon is like he, he gets a lot of, uh, of of blame from some of our fans, but he, it's not a it's it's not a thing of of his <clears throat> his physical abilities. I, I don't think. Um, I, I'm sure you I'm sure you probably saw this, but in the week of the first game last year. Uh, his his mom posted on Texas that he had dislocated his kneecap in practice that week. Um, I've never had that kind of injury. I've never even heard of that kind of injury, but it sounds pretty painful. And to to kind of come back and play through that, <laughs> it's not um, ideal. Yeah, <laughs> that's one thing you don't want to be dislocated is your is your kneecap. Yeah, and I mean, again, a lot of those guys are banged up last year, so I think we take every every bit of performance with a grain of salt and. Left tackle is not an easy position to step in for your first uh, first time starting. Uh, you know, obviously, I think we had high expectations for him, and you know, maybe he didn't meet those. But I I do think there's room for improvement. I think he has the physical tools to improve yeah. uh, in the 2023 season, and you know, he's going to be a key aspect of of giving Connor Wegman the uh, the confidence that that he needs at the at the quarterback position, and you know, to, to play with the, the confidence and the swagger that he did at the, uh, at the end of the season in that LSU game, uh, the offensive line has to give him the confidence to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it goes back to what we talked about with the D line, that pressure from the interior. It's, it's just a, it's, it's just a killer. I mean, that's why guys like Aaron Donald make so much money is because that's, it's, it's so rare to find a guy like that. And that what he, what, what, what he can do is just so, disruptive to the offense and, and throws their whole thing out of whack. Yeah. And, and for AM, the interior should be the strength of this unit. I would think, uh, I think tackle play is, is going to need a lot of improvement. Uh, I, I have a little more faith in the interior to improve than I do in, in the outside guys. But again, uh, the physical tools are there. So if they do step up, this offense could be special as well. Yeah. There is one thing I want to pick your brain on as, as it relates to uh, the uh, scheme of the O-line a little bit. Uh, there's one thing I noticed in the spring game is there were a lot more uh, uh, gap scheme kind of runs. Uh, and for a defensive lineman, is that uh, is that a little more trickier to to play against when you've got guys kind of you know blocking down or pulling around on you? Uh, it can be. I mean, the, the thing about it is, like I was saying, you, you have to react as a defensive lineman. A lot of it is reacting to what you see in front of you. And uh, you, you do want to kind of key in on, on some tells pre-snap. Like you're going to see if a guy's light in a stance or, uh, you know, if, if the split is a little bit closer, uh, that could be setting up a double team. I mean, there's little things that you pick up on that yeah. can be tricky. Uh, you know, gap scheme versus more of a, a zone scheme. It, it just kind of depends on – what you're seeing out of the offensive line. And, you know, this could be something where they're trying to ease up things for the offensive line and make it a little simpler. Uh, as a defensive lineman, I just personally hated anytime I had to deal with like a zone read, uh, especially <laughs> on the end. But uh, I mean, with gap schemes, I mean, defensive line, you're going to have a gap responsibility anyway. And, yeah. and you have some things that you can, like I mentioned, key in on to kind of let you know if you, are going to have to switch off and, and, and deal with somebody blocking down or, yeah. uh, you know, uh, pulling. I mean, you, you learn pretty quick, uh, especially at the college level, that if all of a sudden there's free air in front of you, you don't want to run into that. 
Yeah. You, yeah. you don't want to you don't want to run into that because that's when you get just kind of blindsided by a, by a pulling guard, and it is not a fun feeling. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, if if it seems like it's too easy, uh, there's there, there's there's probably a, a freight train coming from, <laughs> on the on on the opposite side of the line. But yeah, and it, it does not feel good uh, to, to get blindsided <laughs> by a guard. I can I can assure you of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I'm with you on the interior. Uh, those guys do have, you know, so much experience and, and talent now. Um, yeah, I think there's like, I, I, I think we'll talk about the, the, the skill guys a little bit next week, but, um, you know, I, you hate to lose a guy like a chain, but with, uh, this O-line being short up and, and Petrino coming in, I feel like this run game could be, could be really, really stout. Yeah. And the, the thing about a chain last year too, is I think he covered up some of the flaws on the run game for the A&M offensive line. Uh, now I think it's the offensive line's turn to, to give the running backs confidence. And, you know, there's a lot of talent in the backfield. I think uh, we'll see how they want to approach it. Uh, I think it's going to be more of a committee approach than we've seen in the last few years. Uh, obviously with A-Chain and then with Spiller before him, uh, where, where Spiller got a lot of the, uh, the carries. I think you're going to see a little bit more rotation in that backfield. But uh, with the offensive line uh, – having more experience, I think there will be bigger gaps for the running backs to go through. So they should theoretically be able to to pick up the gap that A-Chain left uh, by nature of, of the offensive line improving. Yeah. That, that, that's definitely the hope. And, uh, the, you know. Yeah. Now, obviously, you can't replace the speed of a guy like this. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, there's going to be uh, a real opportunity for, for one of the guys – to, to step up and i mean i like Le'Veon moss a lot i think that oh, he's yeah. a cat that has a little bit of everything to him and uh, i think that's kind of what you want in, in the modern game out of a running back uh but we'll, we'll see i mean you also got to look at a guy like uh ruben owens coming in as a as a, as a freshman yeah and, and seeing what he's able to bring to the table because he's another guy that i think that can do it all absolutely uh, and one of the un you know it's maybe underrated in the casual football fan, but like guys like us, we always talk about pass protection from the running back position. And uh, we'll see what these backs are able to do in, in that aspect of the game as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've, I've got to mention my guy, uh, Amari Daniels. Um, every time I've seen him, like I went to the open practice a couple of years ago and uh, like he was already like starting to light it up and, you know, has been behind a chain. And I, th- I think you, you got a real three headed monster there, yeah. but you know, that's, that's the hope you know, is like as much hope as we have for the D line, uh, you know, B plus right now could be an A as we get into the year, could be an A plus as we get into the year. Um, I think if the line is just a solid B, uh, this could be a, a, a fantastic year for A&M. Yeah. On the offensive side of the ball, for sure. And then, I mean, especially when you, when you throw in those tight ends to the mix oh, uh, yeah. in, the, in the trenches as well. I mean, uh, one of the most talented tight end rooms in the country, in my opinion, with, uh, with Max Wright coming back as a, as a leader, uh, a, a voice in that locker room, and then also having Donovan Green with the talent he has and Jake Johnson with the talent he has. and I mean, it's, there, there's a lot of potential. I mean, yeah. I mean, coaches always told me, like, potential means you just haven't done anything yet, but uh, the, the, uh, the ability to do something is there. And so that's right. what we're – I think that's why we're all just itching for the season to get started. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, well, I think before we get out of here, um, there's, there was another topic I wanted to cover, and that is 
the first new Turnpike album uh, since 2017, I believe. Um, <laughs> I, I, so, so rate your excitement level for football and then your excitement level for a new Turnpike album. <laughs> it's got to be a 10 for both. I mean, yeah. new Turnpike album. I, I One of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, dude, I saw them at Green Hall. Uh, I think my my freshman year or my sophomore year of college, I can't remember which one. It was either, it was either the 2013 or 2014, and that was one of the best concerts I've ever been to in my life. And uh, I've just been a huge fan of them since then. Uh, I mean, Evan Felker is a fantastic songwriter, and and you know it. He's gone through quite a bit, and I hate to be yeah, like, yeah. Like, I don't want to be excited about it, but. <laughs> The material that he has to write about <laughs> i mean you can't help be a little bit excited uh about what this album could be like and then uh aggie football is also pretty exciting for me coming up uh with, with the potential yeah. for greatness so uh and we've also been through a lot so yeah <laughs> <laughs> amen so we'll, we'll see what happens with uh with that and you know i'm I'm very, very much looking forward to both. And, you know, if the Aggie football season goes haywire, at least I'll have uh, a new Turnpike album to, to draw my sorrows with. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you on, on that material. Uh, it could be some uh, some really solid stuff. I was talking to my, my wife about this. We're, we're both big Turnpike fans. But uh, you might see a, a true love song from Turnpike on this album. Um, you know, after some of the stuff that he went through and then, you know, uh, and, and then, you know, kind of getting back, uh, uh, in a, in a good place there. But, um, you know, it's been, it's been so long. He's, there's probably, he's probably, he's probably got more songs written that would fit on this album. So like he had to probably pick the best ones. Yeah. So, uh, I hope that, that that's, 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 that's a good sign for the album, but, um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled about that and, uh, and thrilled about football season. Uh, you know, we have media days this week. I think today was the last day. Um, uh, NFL practices start next week. College the week after. Um, it's it's really starting to ramp up here. I'm 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 pumped up about it. Yeah, just counting down the days. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jay, I, I really do appreciate you coming on uh, here on the last minute. Um, Chase Caldwell is going to be bummed that he wasn't on here uh, for your first appearance on the show. I know you guys go go way back to the the football days old, uh, back in the day. Oh, cheese for the guys that. Oh, uh, cheese. <laughs> but uh he's he's off gallivant in europe so uh we'll have to to get him back on when, he, when he's back in the states but um uh thank you so much and uh, i'm sure we'll, we'll see you uh back on the show um you know i think before too long and definitely during football season but uh we, we, we certainly appreciate it yeah man i again i appreciate uh i appreciate being the last minute sub and, and having the opportunity <laughs> to come on and always fun to talk the trenches all right well he's He's Jerron. I'm Will Stone. Uh, this is the Ineligibles Podcast, and we'll be back with you next week. <laughs> <laughs>